Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that has cleverly disguised himself as a responsible adult. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, tonight, we are drinking Cult Classic by Goose Island Brewhouse in beautiful, beautiful Toronto, Canada. Garage grade three and a half bottle caps out of five. This is a very smooth and easy drinking dark colored beer, a German inspired lager with notes of bread, honey, and floral hops. And today's beer was brought to us by these fine friends of the garage. First up, we have Geesk all the way over in Holland. And big shout out to Tony in Crown Point, Indiana. Next up, sending out some peace and love to Robin in Redding, Pennsylvania. And a big We Like Egypt to Kelly in Little Rock, Arkansas. Next up, let's go to the great state of Texas and say thank you and hello to Sarah from Fort Worth. And last but not least, a shout out to Amanda in Sweetwater, Texas. Thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to help us out with those shows for next week, Go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the donate button. And another great way to support the show is leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help the show. And that's enough for the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. All right, we continue on to look into the untimely deaths of Barry and his wife, Honey Sherman, who were killed or possible murder-suicide inside their home in Toronto, Canada, just late last year. So this is a recent case, and we know with these, Captain, that a lot of times they have to solve them before you're going to get a lot of information. Yeah, it's frustrating. 
This one has been a very interesting case to look into because of the possibilities here seem endless, really, when you look at this, because we're talking about a very successful man who, and as we know, you know, success does not come without its hurdles along the way. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance that this man had to step on a lot of step on a lot of toes to get to where he was in life. And we all know that can aggravate and anger people creating enemies along the way on your road to success. Well, his company was involved in a bunch of lawsuits and he almost seemed to be proud of that. In some of the interviews that I saw with him, he'd go and all these papers in my office, these are lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Isn't that awesome? Well, and one thing that you and I had a brilliant discussion on, on Friday about was one key factor in this, this investigation that came out several weeks into the investigation was the thought of the lockbox. And what we mean by that is that when a home is listed, when it's for sale, that realtors will often use a lockbox to give them access to the home. Mm-hmm. And when we have a scenario here where we reportedly, I'm sorry, repeatedly have police on record say, stating that there was no forced entry into the home, well, then one has to speculate, could this lockbox have been involved? Could this be the reason? And for those of you not familiar, usually the way that this system works is that there is some kind of lockbox that is positioned around the front door or on the front door. Mm-hmm. And the realtor can use a code to open up this box. And inside there is a key, which allows you into the home. Now, Captain and I know several different realtors, and we've spoken to a few of them over the course of this last week. And it appears to me that these lock boxes are not all identical. They don't all work the same way. Um, some of them have temporary codes. Mm-hmm. I've also seen some online chitter chatter that some people speculated that some of them might share a code. Um, and we've come across this in other scenarios on this show when we talk about safes and getting into locations and keypads and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me that there is some kind of system where the real estate agent has to contact somebody to get the code. Mm-hmm. So that would be on record. There's also uh, lock boxes that they can hold their phone up and by using an app, they can get into the lock box. Again, that would be something on record. Does the app tell the lock box that they are in close proximity to the lock box or is it, how do you know how that works? Well, I've seen my, I'm looking for a home now so I can, I've seen my realtor hold their phone up to the lockbox and something happens and mm-hmm. or 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 they're sent a number through the app or but again there's ways to track all of this. So I think one if somebody used this as a way to enter the house um there would have been some kind of communication on how to get that number. Now I'm going to put something out there that maybe people will think oh well here comes captain Con- conspiracy captain what (laughs) yeah captain conspiracy captain potato chips in his throat um that with the dark web that somebody would be able to get this information probably pretty easily to have some kind of code to unlock the box um i actually don't think they use this i think what we're talking about at the end of the last episode i think if they were met by perpetrators outside of the house outside of the garage that's probably the easiest way to gain access mm-hmm. and i agree with you and, and 
like I said, we had this brilliant conversation on Friday and then we get into yesterday's show and we're both kind of more of the mindset that honey was likely approached or attacked outside of the home. And then once they had her, they had access to the home before moving on though. I do want to point out a couple things. And you said a list, you know, that they would have that information. And that's where we got this information was that we have the police and investigators coming out and stating, look, we have a list of anyone who gained entry to the home in North Toronto, which was for sale via the lockbox. That mm-hmm. was their exact statement. I found that I found that statement interesting because I wanted to know further. Does that mean, okay, this is the list of people that have access to the lockbox, and these are the only people that have access to the lockbox, or is this a list that states these are the people that have used the lockbox so far and on what days and what times and who was all in the party that was looking at the home. How detailed was that information was something that I found to be interesting. Well, maybe I'm wrong to assume, but I'm assuming that law enforcement went down the list. They uh, questioned all these individuals and they probably all checked out. One thing too, Captain, I was a little shocked and I'm making an assumption here. But I was a little shocked giving the family's wealth and giving given the value of the home. Mm-hmm. I would have, from somebody with a security background, I was expecting that there would be uh, electric door locks on this house, whether it be magnets or, or electric, that these doors would all automatically lock behind you, mm-hmm. um, that you would use either a keypad or a key card to enter the home rather than a traditional key, which could be the case. We don't know, but it seems to be like there's a thought that there's a lockbox somewhere that's able to gain access to the home. Now, one thing I do want to point out for while we're on the topic of, of security. And one thing that I used to tell people uh, that I worked for in the past Mm -hmm. was when you're using these keypads and some of you you know, we're not all on this level, but some of us, you know, of, of the level of having these big expensive homes with these great security precautions and measures going on. But a lot of us out there have keypads to our garage doors. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I used to have to remind people that would, that had access to those properties when using keypads, often I would see people, you know, you, you kind of stand out and you punch in your code and you nonchalantly walk in. Well, it doesn't take an Einstein to be standing behind you down the street, watching you from a window above to see you type in that code and gain access to that door. So one thing I used to have to remind people was shield yourself a bit when you're punching in your code, just like you would at an ATM machine, uh, protect yourself when you're going in and out of your garage door. The other thing too, wipe those keypads down often. If you, if you don't clean them and you're only using one specific code, a lot of times you can open up that keypad, the cover to the keypad and see which four or five buttons are being pushed. Um, so those are some, some good tips for you, for everybody out there. One thing we need to move on to though, captain is the lawsuit. Now we didn't get into the lawsuit so much yesterday, but what we did cover, and I don't know that we're going to have enough time to get into the tiny little details of mm-hmm. this lawsuit because we'll give you the broad strokes, it's vast. Um, but what we're going to do is kind of, I think that this is a big thing here. This was certainly a big thing in Sherman's life. Now we have to determine, was it a factor in his demise? So Barry Sherman was involved. It's no secret in a great deal of litigation, 
Um, a lot of these cases were of great importance, mm-hmm. most of them to his company. Now, one case in particular was more on a personal level, and that was his family. Some members of his family had sued him because they felt that they had a rightful claim to a portion of his company. Who are these people? These are the Winters. Remember, Barry gained, he was able to take over the company, uh, his uncle's company, after his uncle passed away. Mm-hmm. And then he turned it into his own company. Well, his uncle's children were very young at the time that he had passed away. I actually believe the oldest might have only been seven or eight years old. So they were. So they become orphans, four of them. Yeah. And so the thought, the general thought is this that because they were so young and because Barry took over the company, they weren't able to have, have that same privilege that would be their inheritance that they. That they have the opportunity to purchase the that they should sure, yeah, yeah that they should deserve, and therefore their cousin Barry had a fiduciary duty to these children. Basically, he owed them something, is what their lawsuit would state. When when to put it plain and simple, he owes us something for this great success that he wouldn't have had. He only had it because of because of our father. Right. This case was not. It was not a short case. This thing was in trial. I don't know if trial is the right word, but in litigation for what, like a decade? Yeah, 10 years. So we got uh, the, the lawyers must have loved that, right? That's yeah, of a course. You make a whole career out of this one case. In September, just a couple months before Barry was, uh, before he passed away, the judge basically says, look, there's no case here. This is wishful thinking on the part of the four winter children. Right. Who are now obviously adults. Um, this is wishful thinking on their part. This guy has made his own success and he owes you nothing. Now, to make it worse, uh, you've held this guy up in court for all these years. You now owe him three hundred thousand dollars. And I believe right. that was to cover some of his legal expenses throughout the course of this, figuring this whole thing out. Yes. And then also at some point, Barry was giving money to these cousins to help them try to start their own companies. And during this uh, litigation as well, those became not just gifts of money, but loans. And so those were expected to be paid back as well. Yeah. And, and those and- were millions of dollars. Yeah. And that's one thing that I find, I find a little weird. Do, do you feel like if they felt like they deserve something, it was almost like they were getting something because of his success. Mm-hmm. I've seen it reported that they were receiving monthly stipends as high as $15,000 each from Barry Sherman. And they were getting homes purchased for them. They would get businesses started up and, I mean, who needs a business started up when you're getting $15,000 a month? Well, I believe all four of these individuals, all four of his, uh, would be his cousins, right? Right. Uh, All four of his cousins had issues with alcohol and drugs. So, and I also Uh, just think that that people do, uh, money makes people even greedier. Just to cover our own butts here though, Captain, I've only seen it reported that two of them had had those issues. So mm-hmm. just so we cover our own butts here. Um, but those two widely reported. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reason why we bring this up is you can't look into this case without thinking that this could possibly have something to do with it. 
Mm-hmm. And regarding the money that they were receiving from Barry before, the way that that worked was they were receiving gifts, monthly stipends, houses, loans, all that jazz. And until they said, all right, now, Barry, you owe us something. We're coming after you. Now, exactly what the captain said. He's saying, hmm, these gifts that I gave you in the past, you now owe me for some of these gifts. Right. And furthermore, the family, the cousins are saying, look, court system, he used this to try to control us. He used this system that he created that he could change and manipulate whenever he wanted to as a way of keeping us quiet, as a way of controlling us so he could maintain the company and us not go after him. So it's it's tit for tat. It's, it's him going after them, them going after him. It was a long, nasty bit to well, sort out. And let's be pretty clear about this. So Barry gets the company, and let's just call that company Empire. Right. So he gets empire and basically what this agreement stated. And this is what I, this is where it's kind of confusing to me is that at some point that they would be, each one of them would be able to get 5% of the company's um, wealth. Now, the way I viewed that is that they'd have the opportunity to buy into the 5%. That's how I view it. Now, I could be wrong. So they have the opportunity to get 5% each. That would be 20%. So then they kind of basically went, okay, how much is Barry worth? And we're entitled to 20% of that. The problem is is that at some point, uh, Empire was sold off or they just did away with and they started his next company, which has nothing to do with Empire. Right. So now you have this company that does not exist and there's no actual value. And, and look, some people think, you know, Barry was a, you know, piece of shit because he was trying to keep his family or these cousins, you know, from getting what is rightfully theirs. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but also this is just a smart business move. If you have a business that is worth something and you know that there is fine print writing that these individuals that you have lost contact with, are entitled to 20% of the business, and then these individuals come back into play, well, then get rid of that business, start your own business, now you don't owe them anything. And that's basically what the judge said. Right, right. They're, they're coming after Barry because they believe, because he got Empire, which is A, he created his new company, which is B, mm-hmm. A plus B equals C, which was his success and wealth. And they wanted a chunk of C, and the, and the court system is basically saying, well, you had nothing to do with B, so you don't get a chunk of C. Right. And also, Barry was able to prove that if Barry wasn't in charge of company A, that it would never have made any money. It would, at, at some point, actually was scheduled to go bankrupt. So then you'd get, oh, yeah, you want to get 20% of a bankrupt company? They pursue this lawsuit for a decade for what what is 20% of a five or $6 billion company. That's a whole lot of rolling papers. If you get that 20%. Mm -hmm. And then after a decade, they're told by a judge, you got no case here. And furthermore, you're going to have to give this dude that you went after $300,000 to make up for his time. Mm -hmm. Is this a motive for murder? Yes. Yeah. We've seen and discussed people being killed for a whole lot less than this. I smacked a man for a double cheeseburger. Now, obviously, don't anybody go 
fallen off of their lazy boy recliner to email me and say, well, just because Barry ends up dead doesn't mean they get the 20%. We understand that. We're talking about people that could be very angry at feeling like they were cheated out of a lifetime's worth of wealth. No, let's get this pretty clear. Barry dies, honey dies. Nobody's getting any extra money. They're not getting anything. But like you said, this would be, um, we didn't get what we thought were due. So now we're going to murder you now. And this is also coming now. There's out of the four cousins. There's only one that's really talking. Yeah. And let's focus in on him. This is Carrie winter. Now, Carrie winter has said some weird stuff about Barry. He claims that at some point, Barry said to him, Hey, you know, some people take care of my wife. I want her dead. Right now. He made these allegations to the fifth estate, the fifth estate. Uh, he was willing to take a polygraph. He took the polygraph and he failed. Um, now all they did was that all they asked him during this polygraph test was about this allegation that Barry wanted honey dead. And so he, so he fails the lie detector. Then they wanted him to take a lie detector to see if he's responsible for the murder of Barry and honey. And then he refuses now now mind you his lawyer's saying you just failed one polygraph test but we're not going to have you take another one well and this comes about because he publicly says you know this is a canadian case can you say about route right no okay. um i'm in ohio <laughs> uh this comes about you can listen to uh, a true crime show from canada if you want mm-hmm. uh, this nighttime was from ohio podcast. brother anyway the nighttime podcast here's the thing this comes about because because Carrie says that, look, I believe this was a murder-suicide. I believe that Barry wanted his wife dead, and here's why. Because mm-hmm. on at least two occasions, this guy has asked me to put some scenario together where I have his wife killed for him. Mm-hmm. And when, when you attack him and go, okay, well... W- this seems a little fishy. Could you give us some more information? And he goes, well, I, I remember these conversations happened at Barry's place of work. I remember that they happened sometime in the nineties. I didn't tell my relatives about it at the time, but I did some, maybe tell them sometime before, before the couple died. I did tell a friend or two at the time mm-hmm. that he asked me to do this. Which, and- which they confirm that those friends do remember those conversations. The other problem with this individual though, is he was, he was a drug addict. Well, uh, cocaine, not only that heroin, a bunch of different things. Yeah. He was in a, a cocaine anonymous program, a 12 step program. Now he, he also, the, the bigger problem though, is that he has said publicly that he he suspects one, a lot of people would have wanted to see Barry dead, including himself. Mm-hmm. That he said he had fantasized and spoke to um, psychiatrists about having fantasies of killing Barry. That he wanted to decapitate him and roll his head down a parking lot or down a driveway or something mm-hmm. like that. So here we have this very strange. I can the only <laughs> the only way I can describe this dude is as strange. This guy is a, he's a see you next Wednesday. I look at him. He makes no <laughs> sense to me. He's what? He makes no sense to me. I don't mm. know that he knows what's going on or what words are coming out of his mouth because I, I actually find him somewhat intelligent. 
he, during his interviews. I mean, I think he's a he's a liar, but I, I think he, there's definitely a brain in that head. Yeah, a sloshy brain is in that head. Mm-hmm. He he seems to me. I don't understand why this while this investigation is going on that you come out and say, "Look, I fantasized about killing this dude," mm-hmm. and he hated he hated Honey as well, and they just never questioned him from the beginning. And he he fully admits on camera, no alibi. And also, well, well he, no, 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 no. He he no, he does. He gives an alibi. He says, "Okay, look. When taken, when when he was asked to go through the possible days of the 13th and the 14th, which is believed that they were killed on one of those two days, mm-hmm. this is as much of an alibi as he provides. He states that um, he attended a 12-step program on the 13th, right. claiming that he's been clean and sober for six years now." He said that after the 12-step program, he went home and watched an episode of Peaky Blinders on Netflix, and he went to bed. He said he most likely spoke to his girlfriend long distance, calling her from his home on that night. The next day on Thursday, he says he got up at 6.15 a.m., showered, shaved, and went off to his job. He's a construction supervisor for um, six custom homes that are being built north of the city. He claims that on that day, while he is at work, he could, quote, absolutely, I could not go AWOL because we are in regular contact through text, email, or sometimes phone calls. There's no way between 6 in the morning on Thursday and 6 in the evening on Thursday. I, I've i got a full alibi with many different trades seeing me in and out of houses. Yeah, but the problem here is Carrie is a weirdo. And he told this to the Sun newspaper. The Toronto Sun. That's a direct, what I read was a direct quote from him to the Toronto Sun. Yes. Now, let's play some clips of him talking to the Fifth Estate. And the first part of this clip, just so everybody knows what's going on, remember he had said that Barry had asked him twice to kill his wife. And what you're going to hear at the start of this clip is Carrie's changing his story because he's been hooked up to the polygraph. The polygraph shows deception on Carrie's part when asked, how many times were you asked to kill Barry's wife, honey? Mm-hmm. How many, t- you know, were you in fact asked to kill honey? And you hear him changing his song and dance after that polygraph. But I still believe it. I don't know why in my head I believe he asked me twice. But is it possible he didn't ask you a second time? Yeah. What percentage do you feel that he only asked you once? What would be the percentage? Pretty high. Like how? Close to 100? Yeah. Yeah, he only asked me once. It would have been not months or weeks. It would have been within a few days. Okay. He called it off within a few days, right? As opposed to months and weeks? Yeah, uh, what, and what asked me a second time. Okay. Okay. I mentioned the second time, which is false, right? Yes. That's the only explanation I have, that I could have embellished it and said two times and that she was getting close to being done and she was 20 hours away and that could have been an embellishment. Because I, I honestly think there was this button idea and that she was 20 hours away from going. Mm. This button thing was a bullshit, right? Looking back, and I don't know if that's true or not, where I would have dreamt that up, though. Why I would have dreamt it up. Maybe the drugs. To, Maybe the drugs. 
possibly or to make it a more drama-oriented fiasco. Okay. I'm completely baffled because I didn't think okay, this would on, happen. Okay, hold on, stay here. I'm going to get the, the, the detective. Fucking okay. failed, man. Okay. Unbelievable. You know, I probably had reasons to lash out, to, uh, to do the dirty deed. This would be asked of you by anybody. Did you kill Honey and Barry Sherman? Absolutely not. I had nothing to do with it. I don't know who did it. I mean, I had opportunity, I had motive. I can see why the police might say, this guy's also a fucking nut. Like I would talk about killing Barry. And it was very graphic. The way I was going to do it wouldn't have been belts. It was going to be in the Apotex parking lot. That was my vision, always, that he'd come out of the building in Apotex and I'd be hiding behind a car and I'd just decapitate him. I wanted to roll his head down the parking lot and I'd just sit there waiting for the police. No alibi. Wednesday night, I went to my Cocaine Anonymous meeting. I came home, as I usually do, watch some Netflix, eat some Doritos, fall asleep. Thursday night, same thing, went to work. Very easily for me to have left work at any time because I'm not on the clock, I'm a site supervisor. I can get in my car, I can take a three hour break during the day. I could easily have driven over to Colony and done the deed. I admit to that, but I didn't. I didn't, and that's why I'm not nervous. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today.
Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code TrueCrimeGarage50 at FactorMeals.com slash TrueCrimeGarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. And that was a uh, Carrie Winner. Real piece of work. Taking you for a bit of a roller coaster ride, yeah. there, Captain. 
I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on Carrie Winter's character. I don't know that. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say that he's like a horrible, despicable person. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has these fantasies of killing Barry Sherman, which he's very honest and open about. Mm-hmm. However, he also feels like he's been extremely wronged by this man. So I don't want to try to get in his head and play games and figure that thing out. But because he's already he's already in his own head playing games. What where I have the biggest issue with this individual is he should be on a suspect list. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that he's the prime suspect. I don't know that I think that he's even capable or sophisticated enough to potentially have carried this out. However, and and to get away with it to this point. However, what I find very strange is I'm giving you a direct quote from an article that was in the Toronto Sun. You are playing a clip of him saying almost the exact opposite when he is on the fifth estate. Both of these situations, both interviews would have occurred six weeks after the deaths of the Shermans. So where I have a big problem is he also goes on in both of these interviews to say, I've not talked to the police yet. I've not been questioned by detectives yet, but however... I, I didn't do it, so therefore I'm not worried about talking to detectives. That doesn't, you know, I'm not nervous about that in any way. Well, and that at the end of the Fifth Estate, they do say that he was contacted by detectives. Um, he's been questioned. He is not a suspect at this time. Right, but again, six weeks. Right. How is he not on police? Okay, we should question these 100 people. He was not on that first 100 list. Mm-hmm. How hard is it? And I, and I hate to throw shit. I'm a blue blood guy every day, every night. Mm-hmm. But, but what I have an issue with is I think this is a big slip up on Toronto police department on their police service. I think it's a huge slip up. And what I mean by that is it does not, it takes one interview with one of the Sherman children, mm-hmm. one of the grown children to say, you know what? Is there anybody that would have wanted to see either of your parents dead? Especially Barry. Is there anyone? Well, if they would have contacted, you know, the Sherman's lawyers too and say, out of these lawsuits, is somebody a threat? And this, this lawsuit, it had, it was done within September. It's not like we're talking about years ago. This Mm -hmm. was months before they were killed or before this incident whatever you want to argue, whether it's murder, suicide or whatever. Right. This is a guy that seems to me like it's seen. It's very strange that this guy was not contacted and questioned within the first week of this going down, or at least being one of the first 10 or 20 people that they talked to. I think that what happened, Yeah, but I also think you have a situation where you have a lot of, you know, you have a lot of nice houses in this area. You have a lot of possibilities for surveillance footage, and that's going to be very important to get right away. Where, you know, if you have uh, somebody like Carrie on video camera in the neighborhood on Wednesday night, well, you know, when you talk to him six weeks later, that's a, a pretty strong piece of evidence. I agree with that. But what I'm also getting at is it, it seems like very delayed to me. Six weeks mm-hmm. to talk to this guy who is willing to sit down with people and on camera say, I dreamed of killing that dude. And not only, and here's why. And the reason why is public knowledge. Right. The reason why is public knowledge. It wasn't hidden from anybody. Uh, yeah. But again, a tough thing, you know, to play devil's advocate and to be a champion 
uh, for the law enforcement is the fact that, you know, it took them six weeks to do the forensics of this mansion. You know, so that's a, that's a lot of time spent, you know, um, at this house, this property, because it was so large. Right. I, I, I agree, but nobody's going to get me to change my mind that this no, guy no, no, should no, have right? been spoken to uh, within the first week. I understand it's a large crime scene. Here's the other problem. What I'm getting at, Captain, is I think that they honed in on this murder-suicide, and I think there was probably things at the scene to suggest to them that that might be what they are looking at. And what I'm getting at is one thing we've been critical of other departments. We've been critical of authors. We've been critical of podcasters, of ourselves, of everyone about this is honing in on one theory too early, too soon and stick into that Mm -hmm. and going, you know what? We're going to work this until it's until this lead is dead until we can't trace it anymore. And then we will start coming up with other ideas afterward. So what are some of these other theories? some other possible theories regarding uh, the death of the Sherman. So mm. I, I want to be clear here. It is still up for debate that this was um, a murder suicide. There's still people out there presenting that side of the argument where I have, where I take issue with that and where a lot of other people take issue with that is there has been a lot of information that has come out to suggest otherwise. And some of that being the ligature marks that were believed to be bindings on the wrist of Barry and Honey Sherman, it's believed there is one side of the argument that states that these people, their hands were bound Mm -hmm. and the bindings were removed after their death and removed from the crime scene. There's also strong argument to suggest that they weren't hanged. You know, that position that they were found in where they're, they, they look to be hanging from the rails Mm -hmm. by their necks. There's, there's good evidence out there to suggest that they were actually strangled before that and then tied up to the rails after death. Mm-hmm. So it, we could sit here and debate the murder-suicide or double homicide thing all day long. I think that it's it, it, it would be a waste of everyone's time. I think that there, there is enough here for me to suggest that this is a double homicide. All right, so let's just assume that it is a double homicide and then what are the theories? The three more popular ones are one that we've already kind of touched on that the family, either Mm. the family or someone in the family murdered the Shermans. The next theory is an unknown unknown. Mm. And what, what I, why I title it this is because Barry Sherman was a very wealthy man. And by some accounts, one of the wealthiest men in Canada, Mm And besides his pharmaceutical empire, he had invested widely in in real estate, hedge funds, etc. Right? Yeah, he, he had this investment um, with this boat. Have you heard about this? Nobody but, had an interesting beer investment as well. Well, he had this boat called the Great Gatsby. Oh yeah, I heard a little bit about that. But the boat never existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, I mean, he was spreading his money out, and, and these are probably a lot of things that honey didn't even know about well or or i mean does she care to know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean she's got her own endeavors i mean she's she's on more charitable boards than many charity boards than most people in that area that most people can name this is a busy this is a busy woman anyway Mm -hmm. but what what i'm getting at with this unknown unknown theory is that he had many many business partners that that spread all across the land so according to this theory, 
Barry Sherman may have in one of these side deals have found himself in a partnership with one or more unsavory characters, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so if maybe a project suddenly collapsed, perhaps he was to blame or he was blaming others, uh, some of these partners and somebody wanted to cutting somebody out of a deal. Right. And somebody Mm -hmm. wanted revenge, uh, in this situation. I actually think that this scenario is entirely plausible. Um, the problem here for investigators, I think that it creates a wide net. It creates a huge, let's say minefield of people to kind of sort through and sort out mm-hmm. lots of paperwork, lots of business dealings, lots of different potential partners. Right. And I think that you have to hone in. Look, some people think that, that maybe that honey was just, you know, the innocent bystander, right? And, and, and I really feel like that if, if they just wanted to kill Barry, they could have done so. And just like his cousin is saying, hey, I was going to kill him right outside his office. Well, I think that's where most people probably could kill this individual that spent a lot of time alone at his place of business. So to me, they're, they're, there's a connection. They're, they're, they're both murdered for a reason. You see what I mean? The other thought would be that somebody in Big Pharma uh, took him out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we know that he built a substantial fortune uh, for himself. A lot of this, like you had talked about, reverse engineering patented drugs and going to market with cheaper generic versions of these drugs. Mm-hmm. So the precise number would be unknown, but how many people, how many companies did this disrupt over the course of four decades. I mean, it's almost, it's siphoning billions, tens of billions of dollars from other companies, from balance sheets, from, uh, you know, these affect stock prices. Uh, They affect people's jobs, Mm -hmm. uh, executive bonuses, bottom lines. Uh, It's endless. Right. It's endless. the, The tough thing here for me is that the fact that he was kind of backing away from the business, and you'd think that if they wanted to take him out, they would also want to, you know, if we take him out, that it takes down his company too. Well, that's that's possible. The, the The reason why I do like this big pharma theory, as well as the last one, for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, the motive would be obvious, and the other being that if this was a professional hit, if this was a hired deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly they have the financial means to organize such a professional hit. And yeah, I'm sure there's some people out there going, Oh yeah, big pharma to, you know, put a hit out on this doctor. This has been uh there's been a bunch of doctors that have ended up dead, but those are the three main theories. Uh, what are some more of the far fetched ones? Well, the far fetched ones in, in my opinion, I think you share the same opinion is uh, one, the mob two Mossad agents and three, the Clintons. And mm, I mean, it's if, always the Clintons. If <laughs> the Clintons are responsible for everything, mm-hmm. if you go to state killer, it, Clinton, did you want to go down any of those roads? I, I looked into all three of them very briefly and very quickly was able to dismiss them. I found them to be much less likely than the three that we've already discussed. Well, I think the Clinton one, it's, it's just very far fetched. There was some donations to the Clinton foundation. There's a bunch of donations with a bunch of Barry Sherman was given money to a lot of different foundations. 
Um, so I, but that idea that was he lobbying, you know, for his company, and was that a reason why he he ended up dead? That's a possibility. That's more likely to me than the Clinton Foundation. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I actually I don't find any of these three um, to be credible at all. I think the 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 place that I found that was pumping the Mossad agents the most was the National Enquirer, mm-hmm. and I their claims are that there were fingerprints found at the scene to suggest that these professionals came in from possibly overseas and committed this hit and then left. Um, I find it awfully strange that these professional hitmen would come in and leave fingerprints at the scene. It just makes right. no, it makes no sense. It well, seems like be, they forgot their gloves before they got on the plane to, to come over here. Well, it, like I said, it makes, it makes no sense. What I think happened here is exactly what you touched upon earlier. I think when you look at the why plus how equals who, I think the why here is why was Honey Sherman killed? Because like you said, it would have been the the list of enemies that Barry Sherman had is endless. That's why we could sit here and we could talk about possibilities and theories and speculations on this case for 10 more episodes if you like. Mm-hmm. You can send us an email, truecrimegarage.com if you would like for that to happen. The thing here though, Captain, is I find it strange that while Barry had all these enemies, mm-hmm. yet Honey is killed as well. She's an unnecessary, uh, almost <laughs> collateral damage, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's unnecessary to kill her if he is your enemy. And Right, and, but some people are just evil, evil shit stains, right? And they're like, well, I'll just kill her too. So th- that is a possibility, but I do believe that she, the, the, whatever, I think this is a revenge killing somehow. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm getting at. And, and, and like they've said, and that's what law enforcement has said a million times, that the, ty- the way they were choked, the way they were strangled, this is like up close and personal attack. So, yeah. I, th- I think that she was killed for a reason. And I think that somebody wanted revenge not just on Barry, but they wanted revenge on Honey as well. Now, does that have to be a family member? No. Could it be Big Pharma? Yes. Could it be an unknown unknown? unknown? Yes. Could it be the family? Yes. I think that there was a reason why they both were killed. And I think that I think that it was actually a very calculated attack. You know, we talked about the possibility of bindings being used and then removed. Well, I think what I'm seeing here is that when the police walk into the scene, they think that this is a murder-suicide because they have no evidence of anybody being in the house or removing anything from the house. Right, but it's, yeah, staged that way. There was, there was, yeah, but there's nothing in the home that they find that doesn't belong there. Right. And there's nothing missing from the home. And so when that's what makes it seem so sophisticated. That's what I think it is sophisticated. Yeah. I think that what happened was I, I think she was attacked out front Mm. to gain access to the home, to wait for Barry to arrive. They would have known that this might be typical, typical behavior of these two by watching them for any period of time. Mm. They kill both of them, like you said, up close and personal, strangled with belts, and then hung around those rails. Now, the question was, were they both Barry's belts? One of them is confirmed, or at least believed to be Barry's belt. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I believe they were both Barry's belts. And the reason being is I go back to the fact that I think that nothing was removed from the crime scene and nothing was left at the crime scene. Which adds to the sophistication. And I think that you, 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 they strangled these poor people that were 75 and 70 years old, were not able to defend themselves, obviously didn't deserve any of this. And then they hang them from the railing there buying time, screwing with the police's investigation, maybe staging the scene to give them the impression that this might've been a murder suicide, buying enough time to get out of Dodge. I think, I, I think the Toronto police department is very capable of solving this. I think that somewhere along the line, the private investigators hired by the family, this will be solved. And I'll tell you why the family has enough money to pay private investigators and pay lawyers for many years to come to unlock the truth somewhere along the line. There's a connection to why somebody wanted them both dead. There's a piece of paper. There's a dealing somewhere that's going to be discovered. Mm-hmm. And the, the private investigators are not going to be able to work that leader, that angle to the completion of someone's arrest. What they will do then is hand it over to Toronto police and they will get involved and they will find the people that did this and they will trace it back to whoever hired them to do this. I think there are multiple people probably involved in this whole thing. And here's where I have a big problem. I, I, I you with know, me, I, well, no, this All is right. where I have a problem with the Toronto police department. Wow, they, you're really just harping on them today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. So if you're listening up there, Toronto guys I'm about to school you, here. Yeah, they are turned it off. I'm about to last sc- time you talked shit about them. I'm about to school you here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because in the beginning, when you came out and you said, there's no signs of forced entry, mm-hmm. uh, we are not seeking any suspects at this time. Look, I get that. You, you were trying to be professional. I mm-hmm. get that. Here's what you should have said. What you should have said is, look, we don't have any answers for you at this time. We have a lot of evidence that we are sifting through, and we will have, we will have answers for the media and for the family very soon. There will be a result and a conclusion after we have poured through the evidence. Mm -hmm. And why is that your statement to the public? Because look, these guys that got away, that that took everything with them, that they walked in the house with, let them think that they left something at the scene. Let them squirm. Let them think that they left something at the scene. Let them tear their hair out trying to figure out what they left at the scene. And -hmm. all you have to say is, we have a lot of evidence to sift through and we will have answers for you. When you when you say that there's no signs of forced entry, when you say that we are seeking no suspects, that to me shows guys showing up and going, we don't really know what we're looking at here. We don't want the public to panic, so we're going to say uh make it make them understand that we're not we're not actively seeking anybody. Right. What's the worst case scenario? Even if you think that these people were targeted or if you think that it was a murder suicide, worst case scenario, the people in the area, they stay on high alert for a few days. They watch their backs. They lock their doors. They love their hug and love their children and wives and keep them safe. Mm-hmm. That's the worst that could happen. The other thing is these criminals could have made mistakes. Had they believed that they left something behind, they could have made mistakes later after the fact. I think that, I think that, Toronto police blew an opportunity here to, to one, I think it would have been advantageous for them to present it that way to the media. And then on top of that, guess what? Somebody, 
somebody on their team, I don't know what level it was, somebody somewhere had a cup of coffee with somebody, had a beer with somebody, mm-hmm. sat down to breakfast with somebody and told him, we think we're looking at a murder-suicide because her face was all busted up and his wasn't. Mm-hmm. So you had the time to come you had the time to leak that. And that's not the whole department's fault. That's one individual's fault. I guess, Captain, this is a long winded version, long winded way of me saying You're amped up, man. I don't know exactly who did this, and mm. I I think though that there's gonna be a paper trail to to someone that's responsible for this at some point, whether it be the person that hired the hit or the one that performed the hit. I think it's likely performed by more than one person. It could even be hired by more than one person. I think that somebody in one of those three groups that we discussed, Big Pharma, the unknown, unknown, or the mm-hmm. family had something to do with it. Yeah, because I, I think sometimes law enforcement is thrown off by when they go, well, this is a personal way to attack somebody. Well, you can hire somebody to attack somebody in a personal way. I want you to kill them this way. I think whoever wanted them dead wanted them to know why they were dying. This week we got some recommended viewing for you. One can only read so many books in a lifetime. We were recommending everybody check out The Evil Genius on Netflix. It's a four-part series. It's based on the pizza bomber or collar bomber case, whatever you want to call it, out of Erie, Pennsylvania. Strange story here. I won't go too much into the case itself, but the four-part series is very well done. We were planning to cover this case at some point. We had it on our short list, and it was going to be the topic of one of our meetings, Captain, and before we could make it onto the actual list to be covered, I I saw some information that Netflix was releasing this. It came out a couple weeks afterwards, watched it. They did such a good job on it. I encourage everybody else to watch it out there. If you still want us to cover it, let us know and we'll consider it. But I think Netflix did a good job and it's called Evil Genius. And I won't be watching it yet because um, I have a hard time watching anything about pizza. So until next week, be good, be kind. And don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.